And I think so often we hold ourselves back and we limit ourselves based, I mean, limiting beliefs is just like, because of what you know and what you've been through, it's like, well, that could never be me or I could never make that happen. And I remember my dream for so long was to just work for myself, not have to set an alarm every morning to wake up and be able to like go to the beach whenever I want. And now I basically am able to do that because I was like, this is the life that I want and I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. And I just heard someone say recently, which I thought was really cool. They said, never be the one to say no to yourself because everyone like you're going to face a ton of rejection in the world, but you don't have to be the one that rejects yourself from the get go. Like if you want to start a project, maybe you don't have the experience or you don't have the qualifications or you don't have it figured out, but don't be the one that shuts that down. Like, don't be the one that says, no, I'm not good enough. Work on your project, do what it is that you want to do and let other people say no, which is fine. Like you can get rejected, but if you never even try or you never even go for it, how do you know if it's going to work out or not? And you just kind of shut yourself down to, like you said, like receiving this energy and the universe isn't going to like, I don't know. It's not going to give back to you if you're not like giving anything to it. Not to get too woo, but I do feel like I'm in that realm sometimes. I'm Ren McDonald, and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to the Hope Initiative. My name is Rin MacDonald. Thank you so much for joining me for what is episode number 91 with Fiona Riddle. Fiona and I were total strangers before this conversation, but after following her on Instagram about a month ago after featuring her boyfriend, Case Bradford, on the show, which was episode 86, I thought she would make for a great guest and I was not disappointed in this conversation. We chatted a wide range of topics, including World of Warcraft, of all things, creativity, uh, birth control, and how she found being on that for over a decade, just over a decade, and also the idea of not saying no to yourself. It was a great conversation, one that I learned a lot from, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Thanks again to Fiona. Please enjoy. Fiona Riddle, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. My first podcast, so should be interesting. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm excited to have you. Thank you for joining me today. We are doing this via Zoom. It is the first day of spring here in Melbourne, Australia, which I think would mm-hmm. make it the last day of summer for you, if I'm correct in saying, in LA? Honestly, I thought that the last day of summer was like September 21st, but I could be wrong about that. Okay. I'm not positive. We're I, having a heat wave right now, so it definitely feels I mean, very it's, summery. It's all arbitrary, and if you believe all the global warming and climate change stuff, who knows where the markers are these days, but... Apparently, it's the first day of spring here. I'm very excited, mind you. It's gloomy. It was gloomy on my morning walk, but it is going to be a great day here. But we're, yeah, doing this via Zoom. You're based in California, if I'm correct in saying? Yeah, that's correct. I'm in Santa Monica in Los Angeles. 
Beautiful. Nice and sunny here today. Very nice. And the context in which we know each other is I had your partner, Case Bradford, on the podcast episode 86, so fairly recently ago. I just released episode 90 last week. And in that conversation with Case, it was it was a great one. I had a lot of fun meeting him and, and learning about his life. But he obviously mentioned you. And since then, I've followed you on Instagram and I've loved everything that you've been putting out. So I wanted to pick your brains today and yeah, learn a bit more about your life. So thank you very much for allowing me to do that. Yeah, cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm so happy to share. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So as you know, I think you, you mentioned you listen to cases and, and one others, but I would love to know, starting with your earliest memory, if you could, you know, run through some important moments in your life. And I love to try to limit people, try being the key word because people, you know, sometimes have a hard time, which is fair enough, but three to four minutes starting with that earliest memory and bring us forward to present day, uh, 2022. Over to you. Sure. Um, all right. Well, there's a lot to cover. Um, so I feel like I, I always have a hard time thinking about my earliest memories. I feel like I have a couple blips from like preschool of being outside or being in our like classroom. But I think when I, the first things I really remember are I, so I was born in Northern California and I spent a few years up there growing up as a kid. And I went to a Montessori school, which is like, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's basically there's no structure. It's basically just like a big room and there's toys and like learning and there's teachers there to guide you, but you kind of just pick and choose whatever you want to do. Yeah. So that was my first introduction to school, really. Um, so I remember being there and just kind of we did like little science experiments all the time. And I remember we would always bake like lemon poppy seed, but like uh, loaves and stuff with the teachers. Um, awesome. It was very unique, I would say. So I think that's kind of my like earliest memory, not a specific one necessarily, but it was also happened to be a bilingual um, Chinese and Japanese school. And I'm obviously um, neither of those. <laughs> so that was interesting too, because we learned a lot of the culture. Um, we, my brother and I, um we're both there uh so it was just like a whole new experience it was very unique I would say mm -hmm. but it was cool and then yeah from there I mean we moved back my family moved back to Los Angeles and I've been here basically ever since mm -hmm. um I was about eight seven or eight years old but I think that kind of shaped a lot of the way that I moved through life because I've always been kind of like a following my own path, not really like I, the structure thing. I remember when I started school in LA with like, here's recess and math and English and you have to sit in your chair. And I was just like, I got in so much trouble from just talking all the time. And <laughs> yeah, now I'm, uh, I mean, this is kind of meandering story, but now from there, I, um, I went to UCLA, I got a degree in psychology, got a typical nine to five, realized it was not for me. Mm -hmm. And during COVID, I got laid off, which was actually amazing um, because I got to kind of just like follow my heart and go on this new journey. So that's where I started with the health coaching. I'm really into like food and health and wellness. And then, yeah, content creation kind of stemmed from that. 
I don't know if that answers it, but yeah, that's, that's a, a that's a rapid. That might be the best one I've ever I've ever had in terms of like here here it is in three three minutes or so. So thank you, thank yeah. you for sharing that. Uh, yeah, where to where to go? I would love to to I guess go back to the Montessori. I have heard of the Montessori method. I've seen at one of the schools uh, here where I live, uh, just down the road, actually in a suburb called Box Hill where I yeah, sort of have grown up in the eastern suburbs of, of Melbourne. But for you, you mentioned that was so, yeah, one of your earliest memories. I didn't go to a Montessori school. I went to a school that was actually quite good, quite a small school, but it was more, yeah, here's your, you know, maths or, you know, English. I mean, when it was primary school, when, 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 when we were young, it was very much, you've got essentially one teacher for the entire year, but high school was a nightmare for me personally. But could you just, yeah, maybe talk more about Montessori, what that did for you? And you mentioned your brother growing up and I guess you were there till you were, what, eight, which is not too, mm-hmm. not too long, I guess, three, four years maybe. Yeah, so I started there, I guess, would be technically pre, pre, pre-K, I think kindergarten, I don't know, around then. Yeah. I think I was about four or five. Um, and then I was there until about second grade. And it was basically just a big classroom, but like very big classroom. And there were just stations kind of set up. There was, you know, different books you could read. There was stations with practicing. Um, I remember this one actually I really liked was practicing like cutting vegetables and fruit with like little kids knives and stuff. Um, And then the baking that I mentioned too, like if you could get a teacher to bake with you. Another cool thing was that we could go on kind of field trips that we decided on our own as kids. So if a group of you and your friends wanted to go to, say, the library, you could have a parent come and like pick you up and take you as long as the parent. It was very interesting. Um, (laughs) Like you had a lot of autonomy, I think, is the big thing. There was no one telling you exactly like this is what you need to be doing right now. you know, we would kind of just like explore in the, there's a big like playground, but it wasn't even really a playground. It was mostly just grass. Um, yeah. So we kind of made our own fun, which was very unique. Um, and I've heard a lot of people talk about how they think Montessori is a bad way to have kids start out because it doesn't teach them anything about the real world, which the real world is like, you go to school or work morning to night and you have every hour planned out for you and it's just like repetitive and Mm. that's not really I mean maybe that is the real world but it doesn't have to be that way so it was I think actually really helpful that I got to experience this Um, and my brother he's two years older so he was actually there as like a older like in more elementary grades when it wasn't as common to have as much free time and free play Um, but I think we were both very like adventurous and very kind of like creative and clever I guess you could say um yeah it was it was an interesting experience and then like I said really hard to transition to that typical schooling um yeah I think it made it difficult to like sit still yeah I bet the years of freedom all of a sudden now you have to sit down and and listen and read a textbook so, yeah. so if he, if your brother was a few years older, because yeah, as I mentioned, I'm not too familiar with Montessori method. So, you had a big classroom or a big room where you could basically go and and do whatever caught your interest. 
Was that mm-hmm. with kids your age or was it with a whole bunch of kids of all ages? It was kids of all ages. There were two rooms. One was the like preschool, pre-K, um, and then the other was just elementary school, which is what was also crazy about it was that you were all just there together, which I think is cool because you're getting to learn from older kids and you have more experience. You're not in like such a bubble. Mm. Um, and then we were all, it was really small too. I honestly don't know how many kids were in it. I can't remember, but probably like 30 or something. Like it was tiny. Yeah. Um, and I think he was there until fourth grade maybe. So yeah, it was like until I think they had a cutoff at fifth grade maybe. And then when I left, they included a middle school as well. But so it was probably yeah, like six year olds to nine year olds ish all in the same room, which is not typical, but it made for interesting, interesting times. Yeah. I mean, that element in of itself is like, that's more real world than yeah having to go to a job. I mean, that's very real world going to a job and yeah, being sort of strained to your desk, chained to your desk, almost with what most nine to fives are. But it sounds like, yeah, you were set up in an early, early way to, to do the life that you're, you're living now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Could you tell me a bit about your parents and what made what you think made them put you in a school like that? Like, what was your life like outside of school dictated by, by them? I honestly can't really say what made them want to um, do that. Um, I guess my mom is a little bit more of a free spirit in a sense. Um, she was, she used to be a lawyer and then she was just like, stay-at-home mom with us but she was always like really good cook and um she was a little bit more like not go not as by the books I guess you could say yeah so I that might have influenced it I honestly have never really asked them about it maybe I should um I just never really thought anything about it like you don't really question much of your childhood for the most part because you're used to it you just kind of think that that's I don't know um yeah but yeah I can't totally say but I mean, I think we're definitely, my brother and I were able to be like pretty creative and adventurous, um, like a lot of outdoor play, a lot of playing in the dirt and riding scooters and just kind of having fun, um, which was, it was nice. Yeah. I think it helped too, because when we came home, it was still a little bit of like free play. Mm. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's interesting though that you describe your mum as a free spirit and then go on to say that she was a lawyer. That's not exactly where I would have gone. Free spirit and lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Those are like polar opposites. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't I think from what I know, she was not happy with the lawyer mm. lifestyle. Um, it didn't really suit her. So Yeah. She's not a free spirit in like a hippy dippy way, just like a little <laughs> bit like She's not as into the whole like Western medicine thing, which I am not as well. Mm. Um, you know, like not into taking like medication when you don't need to or going to the doctor for everything, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, not as conventional, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah, cool. Yeah, lawyer definitely would be a, the conventional <laughs> by the book, literally. Yeah, yes, literally. And then your father, what was, could you, yeah, fill me in on him? Yeah. What did he do? What was he, his role? Um, he works in video games and art design so he was always very creative as well yeah, wow. in the in the nine to five realm um like worked really hard but 
I remember he was always like really good at drawing and all of that, which was fun, but he was also very good at um, like math too, and a little bit more of the analytical stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think I picked up on both sides of that. Um, growing up, I loved math and science. Like I really wanted to be a scientist as a kid. Yeah. And I would always, my brother and I had this like, or in our home, we had a little like shed type thing in that backyard. And my brother and I set up basically like a lab and it had all these different seasonings and spices that we would steal from the kitchen and we would make like potions. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, my dad helped with like some of the creativity, but also some of the more analytical stuff. And then also I was really into video games growing up because of just having that around all the time. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. I yeah. mean, so much I could draw from that. Great that they, I guess, both your parents fostered <laughs> that creativity in the school. It'd be interesting to know maybe why they sent you to Montessori. Maybe you can let me know another time, yeah. obviously, because we don't know at the moment. But the idea that, yeah, you you were able to, I guess, follow your interests. You mentioned as well before when you are at your school having a keen interest on just even slicing up little bits of fruit. Was it real fruit that you were able to do? It wasn't like Play-Doh or something. I think it was real. I honestly, I could be lying, but I, I swear, I remember that it was real and they would switch it out. And it was like, I don't know if you've ever seen the kids knives, they're just plastic knives. So they can't hurt you, but they can cut through stuff. <laughs> press enough. Yeah. And they were just like little cutting boards, basically. That's what I remember. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I definitely want to come to talk about yeah your involvement in food because it's obviously a lot of what you do at the moment. Well, not obviously, obvious to me, but for those who maybe don't mm -hmm. know you, not. But just quickly back to what you mentioned with your father, you had a keen interest in video games. I would love to just pick your brain on this because it's not something yeah, I would have would have guessed. But I know that for me growing up, big influence in me getting into soccer was the video game FIFA which a lot of people would have heard of. FIFA 2000 was the first mm -hmm. sort of video game, computer game that I ever got. And that led me to playing soccer. For you, what was your, maybe, yeah, your first game or game that you loved playing at that young age? And how do you think it influenced you? Well, this is going to be uh, interesting. So the, the game that I grew up playing the most, which I can't imagine had much influence, was World of Warcraft. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know if you ever played that, yeah, but yeah, I, played I was, it. like, addicted to it as a kid, um, which was just a whole fantasy world, and you were just battling monsters and <laughs> trying to get new outfits and up-level. So I don't know that it really – that had much impact on – the health and wellness or food or anything. I played a lot of Sims too. I think I liked the more role-playing mm. um, type games. So I don't know if that was more so just the idea of creativity kind of and just being able to like experience or express myself in a different way mm. um, because you can just kind of build whatever life you want from that, especially in the Sims. My dad worked for the company that created the sims so i was very into that um wow. yeah who's that company is that isn't that ea yeah electronic yeah, yeah that's who created fifa wow there you go maybe he's the reason that you played soccer pretty cool maybe <laughs> shout out to your dad uh that's cool so not to not to go off that too much but because i mean we're in this age right now where like the metaverse, there was that announcement last year and there's so many things that are digital these days. And for me, I'm, I'm turning 30 in a few months. 
would love to have a family and kids one day, but I think it would be much harder personally to raise kids currently than what it was when I was growing up. But like you, yeah, I did play World of Warcraft. I probably wasn't, I'd say, addicted to it, but I was. <laughs> I, I played a lot of FIFA growing up and there were other games and I'm sure that many people sort of our age, I think, what, what age are you? Are you like mid to late 20s? Yeah, I just turned 26. So awesome. right in the middle there. Yeah, nice. Happy birthday yeah. if it was yeah, that recent. <laughs> it was August 6th, so a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, nice. Happy birthday. So I guess, yeah, sort of my, my thought there is like I grew up playing a lot of it, maybe, I don't know, a couple of hours a day, three to four days a week. I don't know. It seems like a lot. And I had Game Boys playing Pokemon. I don't know if you were the same, but I feel like our generation mm-hmm. did grow up having that and I've turned out I think all right (laughs) you know observably you have as well but I just feel like the way the world's going with so much you know progression towards technology and and immersing people in that it sort of gives me you know not a not a hugely optimistic outlook for the future I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that if you you know want to have kids one day how much you would in quotes let them you know, play computer games, would it be as much as you did? Would you try to to stop them? What are your thoughts? It's such a hard one because I do agree with you the way a lot of things that are going on in the world don't make it seem positive to really bring kids here, like raise them. And I I guess that it's like kind of two pronged because for me, I grew up in LA in the suburbs. Now I live more in the city and it's just like, it's so expensive to live here. You're jam packed. It's impossible to have really yard space. Um, even in the suburbs, it's like insanely expensive. And I love California and I love being by the beach. So I think raising a kid where I am, like physically location wise, would be so rough. I think it's so important for kids to have that more like spending time outside and in nature and experiencing that. Um, so that's kind of yeah, if I don't know about the kids thing, but um, in terms of the whole video games and whatnot, I feel like our age group probably played a ton of video games, but then we also didn't have all the like social media and that whole thing. Like mm. the video games did take up a good amount of time, but it was different because you're still like you'd be playing with your friends or like, I don't know, at least for me, I, it would be I'd be playing with my friends or my brother or it was always capped and I also had to read a lot too like I wasn't allowed to just have free reign over it yeah but I think the whole social media piece is interesting because there's now just like you can do literally everything online before that was kind of the only way to be online Mm. um and engage with like on World of Warcraft you know there were chat boxes and you could talk to random people but it was kind of more it wasn't very like um tangible I guess and now it's social media, it's like everything is online and you can see all these different things. And so much of our time is consumed by that specifically. So I think it's just very different right now. And I don't think I have a clear like answer understanding to it because it's just such a different like terrain that we're in. Mm. And the age that people are getting into social media is insanely young compared to like when I was in high school, I think Instagram came out when I was in high school. So I imagine you were around around there too um yeah 
and I remember it just being such a like weird like you would just post like really weird pictures of your food and the terrible filters that everyone jokes about but that was what it was like it was just kind of fun and now it's this entire universe literally that I don't know it's kind of taken over so I feel like they kind of go hand in hand with the whole media thing just kind of like taking over your brain a Mm. bit yeah it's a good distinction i think yeah growing up i hadn't even really thought about it i definitely want to have kids and i yeah i think i'm i'm optimistic about raising them but i think it would be harder and like you said their kids are getting on it so early social media i remember making did you ever have myspace account i think that was the first like social media platform i had yeah that was like i was slightly too young for it i think yeah some of my friends did have them, but I think I was basically like a year too late in that. So I had the Facebook, um, probably when I was like 12 though, I started a Facebook. I was not supposed to have one, but I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was young though. And that's the thing you saying there, I wasn't supposed to, but I did like the accessibility <laughs> of it is like, you can just find a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every kid now has an iPad or some type of phone or computer, Mm. like starting at five years old, they'll have iPads, which I think is insane. But I mean, I'm not a mom. I don't know. I don't know how to raise kids. So, (laughs) but to me, it's like, like that's always put in front of them when they, you go to a restaurant or when they need to be quiet and it's like, you're kind of stifling their energy rather than embracing it and working with it. Mm is my thought. Um, I get that it's easier. Like it definitely is easier to put your kid in front of the TV than to have to like chase them around or worry about that. But it is just very like the way your brain is wired when you're five years old to have all of that access to technology is insane. Like I can't imagine how I would be different potentially, or, you know, how kids these days are going to be different because of all of that um yeah yeah it's fascinating it is and i think just because we aren't parents currently doesn't mean we can't have views that yeah maybe parents who have kids that are watching ipads all the time go oh it's so easy for you to say like fuck yeah Yeah, it is but also it's it's very easy for you to just give them that and not give them any more attention Right, I remember a big thing that i loved doing when i was a little kid was playing outside with little marble marbles like colored marbles and setting up this like little thing in the dirt and like racing them and like literally taking notes about how like what colors would win and having this whole like grid it was like crazy like this stupid game that I had but I was like entrenched in it and would like play it all the time and then that would that evolved actually I played a similar game on uh did you ever play roller coaster tycoon is that yeah oh that and zoo tycoon and all yeah. of those were the best yeah roller coaster yeah. tycoon was one of my favorites and there was this like one of the best rides was the go-karts and i would change all the colors of the go-karts and do the same thing and i'd like keep this scoreboard and i was just like fascinated with almost like the data and probability of it i was quite good at maths and numbers when i was a kid but even though i was ultimately then started using technology for it it was just a creative way for me to play this game that I'd created and I'm sure there's plenty of kids out there doing similar things I would like to think but I feel like there's much more and I've said this on many episodes of late much more consumption rather than creating 
which is I think mm-hmm. what it was. You're even talking about like World of Warcraft and like you know new outfits or or The Sims and like The Sims is like a classic game. Like so many of my mates, yeah, grew up playing that and you design houses and you know you're picking all these outfits and all these things. Like it was a very cool sort of thing, but. Yeah, I guess the distinction coming back to what you your point and what you mentioned, the social media, as soon as you, I guess, would get off the the PlayStation or the computer, you wouldn't have a phone to turn to. And I think that now is a big a big trap and a big thing that's um, scary in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's so much more, I guess, distraction um, and more reason to not go outside and use your brain like you can really you don't have to be alone in your thoughts or by yourself or using your hands like really ever anymore you can order food and get it delivered you can watch a movie you can you know like distract yourself with online shopping or whatever it is like there's so much like you said to consume and not create that you could go every day of your life really without creating anything um which I think is very typical of the world that we're living in right now unfortunately the average person I think is just consuming and not really creating um and I think the like whole creativity thing is really interesting too because there's so many ways to think about it for instance I always thought it wasn't creative because I didn't know how to draw very well or do the classical creative work but like my cooking is 100% creative I'm in the kitchen, I'm not, I hardly follow recipes. It's basically just like trial and error and seeing what works and throwing in different spices and creating this dish, which to me is now like an art form. Um, so yeah, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it too. People kind of think, oh, well, I can't draw or I can't paint. So I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna watch the movie. I don't wanna like experiment, but- I don't wanna create the movie. Really yeah. Yes, like I don't wanna be the one that's like, I'm not gonna do anything that, involves me like putting myself out there or that self-expression um and for a while that was how I felt until I realized that like I can fully express myself through what I'm passionate about Um, and I think that that's true for most passions or niches that you're into like there is a way to have a creative outlet with it completely agree and I love how we got there I wouldn't have expected chatting about video games (laughs) as being that route but you're so right in in saying that yeah cooking is creative you know my brother's a carpenter building houses is creative like all of these things they are uh it's just about yeah how you how you go about it amazing I definitely want to talk more about the cooking but I sort of want to get there in a way that I learn a bit more about you if you don't mind so sure. if you could take me back to, I guess, maybe high school, you mentioned that you, you went to UCLA, which I think is college, right? Yeah, that's college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe talk to me about high school. You mentioned you didn't maybe have the greatest of time, but you decided to still go to college and yeah, study psychology. Yeah. So, I mean, high school, I would say I, it was fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I think for me, I never took it very seriously, but I was able to do very well. Um, And I think that kind of made it easier on me because a lot of people stressed about it. And I was always like, it's high school. Like, why do you care so much? Like, just, you know, like, I'm trying to have fun. I'm still a kid and like, kind of in denial about growing up a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I was definitely like someone that got in trouble for talking a lot, but then I still got really good grades. So it was hard. I think teachers were a little confused by me because I was like half the troublemaker, but half also the goody two shoes. I like always had my work turned in, but <laughs> also was like, I'd go to parties on the weekend. And like, you know, I was um, very like two different people lived in my body. Um, <laughs> and I think that kind of continued into college, which I mean, going to college was not really a question it's just what everyone does um in LA I guess for the most part like it wasn't even something I had thoughts like oh is there even an option to not it was like no you go to college and then you get a job after and that's your life um mm. and I was always really interested in like I mean science but then also just like human interaction and how the brain works and I think just kind of questioning like my own thoughts and how I behaved too. And just seeing those around me is kind of what got me into the psychology field. Um, and I did intend to keep going with it and get a master's and practice and be a therapist. Um, but obviously not doing that anymore, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed college. It was fun. I did learn a lot, a lot of about psychology but also just valuable life lessons I would say and just being on my own for the first time because I went to UCLA which was like 30 minutes from where I grew up not very far but I pretended like I was just away at college for the most part yeah um so yeah it was a whole new experience but it was it was good I enjoyed like I'm I'm glad I went even if I'm not technically using that education right now Sure. Um, sometimes I'm like worried that it was all for nothing, but it definitely had its um, its benefits for sure. Yeah, and it, it always could come back to serve you like directly in years to come, right? You never know how something yeah. that you've learned yeah. in the past could could serve later, but indirectly now, I'm sure it's having yeah some benefit. So, did you live on campus then? Is that standard college yeah, life? Yeah, I lived. Even if yeah, you grew up thirty down. minutes away. <laughs> I know it's kind of like well yeah so I did live in a dorm room my first year and then the final three years I lived in the same apartment which is kind of uncommon for college most of my friends moved around but I just kind of like stuck in one place um but yeah it was 30 minutes but with traffic honestly like two hours in LA so yeah LA traffic most people <laughs> yeah it's terrible that's the well not probably the one bad thing but one of the top bad things about LA um but yeah most people lived on campus and there were people from all over the world there because it's a really it's a one of the top public universities in America mm -hmm. so there were people from all over the world and from different states and that was my first time I guess really like kind of embracing or learning about new like cultures and ways of thinking because growing up in the suburbs of LA it is very much a bubble um it's very like everything kind of looks the same and everyone kind of acts the same and everyone does the same things and it's very classic like suburban white people like you know um yeah and then just like also affluent because it's LA so mm -hmm. there was a lot of that too so UCLA was like the first time that I met people that were just so different from me and a lot of that good and a lot of it not so good depending on what you're into but yeah I think just fully being able to live there and be there helped me kind of learn more and embrace this 
more like freedom that I had too. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. And then talking more about your, your psychology degree, you said you had a lot of interest in yeah, how the, I guess the human dynamic worked and, and interactions with others. How do you think you grew as a young person? Because I'm guessing the, you, you completed your degree, correct? And then you, mm-hmm. you ended up getting a job, right? So how long was your degree? And yeah, how do you think you changed in that, what is ultimately a pretty formative period of a person's life, like late teens and early 20s? Yeah, I mean, honestly, my, yeah, there was so much that happened in college. Um, It's four years and Mm -hmm. you go from being fresh out of high school. I turned 18 right before I went off to college. So, I mean, you can't really do much when you turn 18, but just the fact that you're now legally an adult, I think is just a mindset shift, Yeah, but you're still acting like you're in high school because you don't really know any different. Um, But it was the first time where I like got a job and started making my own money. And the first time that I kind of had to work a bit harder academically because it wasn't the easiest school. Um, And then in my like psychology degree specifically, because it is very science focused, there were a lot of like research papers and staying up late working on that. And I think the research aspect specifically has like carried in a lot to my life because I like for fun read studies now um, or like pull information from that. And because of my background, I have that skill. So I guess that's one of the benefits. Yeah. Um, It was worth the the college tuition for that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it also just kind of opened my mind up. I would say it made me think about the world around me a bit differently too because you learned about like for instance this is very like specific but in one of my classes we did a ton of different psychology classes one of them was social psychology and we learned that if you need like want to cut in line if you literally just say to someone like I need to cut in line like I want to cut in line ahead of you they'll be more likely to say okay like if you just tell them, or if you say like, I need to do this, like if you give them a, an expert, like a slight reason, they're kind of just like, okay, like people just, I don't know, they give in to a lot of things and there's like a whole power of persuasion there, yeah. which is not totally related, but just interesting. Like those little tidbits that you learn that are like, hmm, this is interesting. Like, how can I use this in my yeah. everyday life? Um, so you don't wait in line at the yeah. grocery store ever then I'm guessing? You just straight to the top. I'm just like, I need to get my groceries right now. Um, if I don't get this in the fridge, no. it's going to die. Let's go. <laughs> get me out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just stuff like that, um, I think. But then because I was also like more, it was more academically rigorous and there were more late nights, but also trying to like still balance social life. There was a lot of exhaustion too. And I think that took a damper or a, not the best for my health. Um, mm-hmm. I had struggled with like anxiety and depression, honestly, like starting in middle school. Yeah. And then I think in college, it definitely got worse and like escalated a lot more to just like having these terrible like panic attacks or anxiety. And I like had really bad acid reflux for a while too. And I realized it was because of being under stress. It would always act up during finals week or something like that, where I just physically couldn't eat without like puking everything up which is not fun 
yeah. that was freshman year of college too. So I was still kind of like figuring things out. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of, kind of was like a little bit of a wake up call, but then still at that point I was a kid. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'll just like kind of ignore it. Um, mm. But then just moving through college as I was trying to study and get good grades and whatnot, I think that also definitely shaped my interest in wellness mm -hmm. um, and trying to figure out like how I could help myself and still enjoy my life, like not stop going out or not, you know, cutting things out but just how can I kind of help myself navigate this world better um that was kind of an interesting thing for me I guess yeah it's a lot more stressful at the same time as being more freedom because you're just in a whole new environment and for me personally my first three years of college I lived in the same dorm like in the same room as two other people mm. so I slept with two other people in my room like in beds this far like a foot away from me every single night which is extremely anxiety inducing yeah. um so yeah that was just a lot of change for sure yeah right well thank you for sharing all of that interesting that you mentioned having anxiety and depression from middle school as well yeah. I read on yeah. your on your website that you've got where it's feelgoodwithfee.com, but I'll mention that in the show notes and we'll definitely come to talk more about this. But yeah, you did mention that you had some issues with yeah, anxiety, fatigue, digestive issues, which you shared a little bit about there. But that starting in middle school, what age is middle school? Like were you like 13, 14, 15 at that time? Yeah, middle school was like 12 to 14 ish. Yep. I guess, yeah, 12 and 13 for me. And then high school, I started when I was 14. Okay. Yeah. So early teens, basically, when I became a teenager, which obviously, you know, there's puberty and all that and hormones are going crazy. But it was definitely noticeable, I think, um, yeah. starting then that I just like, there were things that I just like, were just so overwhelming or just these like very big feelings and emotions. Mm. Yeah. What do you, I mean, those big feelings and emotions and yeah, you talk about puberty, becoming a teenager is, is definitely challenging for us all in, in our own ways, males, females, boys and girls. But for you, reflecting back, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced at that time that maybe you felt led to that anxiety, that depression that you, you experienced in those years? Yeah, I honestly don't even know that it was anything that was that big. Like, I think that my anxiety was more stemming from like social and like interactions, just constant fighting with girls. Like girls are so catty at that age. I mean, we kind of always are, but like at that age, it's just everyone's hormones are going crazy and you're just at each other's throats about all these different things. And that was really hard for me to kind of deal with. And I think because I grew up with a brother, I had a different mindset too. Like, I think that he helped me be a little bit more laid back and kind of go with flow some, in some regards. Um, definitely not everything, but it was just, I think a lot of more of the social like friendship issues with I think a lot of people go through. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard. And like when you're stressed out and you don't have, like a friend to talk to or you're in a fight with your friend and it just kind of 
escalates and everything it makes everything kind of worse um and it's like an interesting time in your life too where you're kind of finding your own sense of self I think at that point as well Mm. so it just kind of all is like a concoction for sometimes disaster (laughs) yeah not to be dramatic but you know well I mean yeah the template's there if it's you know you're you're vulnerable at that age obviously forming thoughts ideas and those sorts of things so it could lead to disaster i mean there's lots of crazy things happening now that i don't necessarily need to go into in terms of rabbit holes and and things but yeah there's some there's some pretty crazy things happening for you i guess then as you i guess grew a bit older how much like how much help did you get with that in terms of whether it was, you know, from your parents or from friends. I don't know if you were on any medication, not that I personally advocate for that at that age, but I know that a lot of kids in our sort of age group, you know, probably put on Ritalin and these sorts of things, which it's sort of good to see there's studies coming out now that like, hey, these aren't the greatest things to be putting anyone on, let alone kids. But I don't know if you had to navigate those yeah so i was never on any like anxiety depression medications until college i did end up going on them which Mm. i'm not on them anymore um that was very short-lived but at like middle school and high school i did go to therapy a bit um like i just remember like crying to my mom about how i couldn't like deal with any of this anymore and so i went to therapy for a bit but i think that i just had a terrible therapist like he was an older man which nothing wrong with that but like I was a high school girl like I couldn't talk to him about any like he'd ask me about like boys and I'm like I don't want to talk to you about my like like me kissing a boy like I don't know it was just so weird of course um not the most comfortable situation (laughs) so I don't think that really did much which I think yeah I just kind of end up like okay well that was that didn't help so I'm just gonna like go back to trying to figure it out on my own yeah and like now too i can also speak knowing what i know now but i was also put on birth control when i was like 13 or 14 Mm. which is like horrifying in my opinion that kids are allowed to be on it um and i now think that that had a huge impact on a lot of my issues um, because it completely changes who you are as a person especially when your hormones are just then like spiking and you're trying to figure things out so I wasn't on any antidepressants, but I was on hormonal contraceptives, which could have made me just go insane, honestly. Yeah. Wow. So 13, you're on birth control. I'm pretty sure it was 13. It was about like I was on it for about 10 years without really realizing how much of an impact it made on my life because it's such a common band. Like I went on it because I just, had like bad periods i guess like i would get sick um so it wasn't even because doctor, you were sexually active at that age it was just no it was, i was not sexually active at 13 um that was many many years later so mm. i was not on it for actual birth control purposes it was literally to balance my hormones which it doesn't actually balance your hormones it literally shuts them off and yep. you become an entirely different person which i could go on an entire rant about well i feel that. like we maybe should because very interestingly not to cut you off but i watched i was just scrolling twitter this morning right i don't know if you're on twitter but cases that's how i met yeah your boyfriend mm-hmm. 
but there was a video and I think it was just a clip from one of Joe Rogan's latest podcasts. So I don't even know the dude who was talking, but I'll link it in the show notes for anyone who's curious. And he was talking about, yeah, when women are on birth control, their pheromones and what they're attracted to are so warped so that then when they come off them, it can it leads to like incredible rates of like divorce or people splitting up because they're not attracted to them them their boyfriend, their husband, them their male counterpart who's now they're picking up on their actual pheromones. So I mean I feel like that's probably just one thing that's now coming to light. There's probably so much more that you could maybe talk to. So feel free. Yeah. That is very accurate, which is insane that it could have such an impact, but also not insane when you think about the nature of it. And I just read this really good book. Um, this is Your Brain on Birth Control. Actually, I just finished it a bit ago. Um, so if anyone's interested in learning more about it, it doesn't take an approach of like, you need to come off of it. It's really just educational of how it impacts you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no like biases, really biases. Um, but yeah, so what we think is, oh, you take this pill every single day and it balances your hormones. It'll give you a regular period. You know, you don't have to worry about getting pregnant if you are having sex. Um, It'll help you with your acne. It like helps like some people lose weight from it, depending on which one you're on. Um, And it's like, yeah, like here, take it. You know, maybe there's maybe you'll get a like some blood clotting, but that's, you know, you're fine. It's just going to like fix your hormones. When realistically, you can't take a pill every single day that doesn't impact your entire being, especially when you're dealing with something as specific or as important as hormones. And people think of your sex hormones, like when you say sex hormones, people don't really think about how much those impact everything about you. And this book specifically, and from other research I've done, it talks about a lot of these studies that have been done where it impacts yeah, your like your smells, the way that you smell and how people are attracted to you and also how you are attracted to others. So when you're on birth control, you pick mates that are like, they say less like masculine and they said like less sexy, but whatever that means, I think it's just more of like a more masculine trait. Yeah. And then a lot of people become, they get off birth control when they're like trying to have children or something with their partner and they're like no longer attracted to them. And they end up seeking out these more masculine traits because, I mean, you have to remember everything is evolutionarily based for the most part. And women are looking for the best mate to like procreate with, Mm. even if that's not what you're consciously intending. Um, Yeah. So really interesting. It also discusses the like societal impacts it's had and, One thing that I thought was really fascinating, too, was how we talk about side effects of medication when there is no such thing as a side effect. It is an effect. And to act like you can just put a medication and target into your body every day and target one specific part of your body is just impossible. Like our bodies are so interconnected. Our gut is connected to our brain and our blood is like it flows through your entire body. It's not like you can't just target this one little piece of you and expect that you're not going to change in some way. So like it can impact your stress response and impact how you um, store long-term memory, which is wild to think about that it could be impacting your memory, but that's something that they've been studying too. So yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Um, 
but it's obviously I'm not advocating for people to like not use it if they want to or if it's the best fit for them because you ought to do what's best for you but I think it's really really important that women are educated and empowered to make better decisions for their bodies and doctors should be providing all this information like there is a risk of death when you take birth control too and no Mm. one talks about that like I was you know 13 I didn't know any better my mom didn't know any better she was just like okay sure like the doctor says so let's do it and then I never thought twice about it because then in college like yeah it was really nice to have it and not have to worry about getting pregnant when I'm going out and meeting different people and so I think there is maybe a time and a place for it in a confined like amount of time if that's something that you know is important to you but to be on it for a decade is just like yeah it's wild yeah, but wow. it's very uncommon this this belief i have is not very common or really discussed so it's sure. um, it's interesting yeah yeah we're sort of early to it hopefully it, it changes i feel like in sort of the pocket of the digital world that i'm in instagram twitter people are waking up to that fact and I think the last few years have really accelerated that for for people like us. But yeah, if you're listening to this and this is like a revelation to you, I mean, a lot of what you spoke to by the sounds of it came from that book, which I'll link, Your Brain on Birth Control. I'll have to, do you know the author off the top of your head? I do not. Even though a simple, like a simple Google is- search afterwards will probably help me. <laughs> I think it's like Lauren or Laura something. I honestly don't remember. I've read a lot of these books now, just like on women's health and hormones specifically. Um, yeah. So I forget the authors. But no, that's fine. Yeah, it's great. And it's all based off of actual science. It's not just like completely pulled out of thin air. So yeah, it's, you know, it's research based and this is like very new research for the most part. Um and they're continuing to do it, but it's really hard to do research on women because of our cycles. So there's a whole lack of research on women in general in all studies. Um, so it's women's health is definitely not a prominent space in science. Um, it's not something that people focus on much, unfortunately, but hopefully that changes. I think it is. Um, there are like new regulations in place where you need women in studies now and um, just like more emphasis on it, which is, which is good. Yeah, yeah that's an understatement. It's <laughs> it's vital. I think the people who can continue the the human race, you know, pretty vital. We keep you yeah. all healthy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll definitely link that book. But talking to more of what you said there, in terms of when you got put on birth control, your mum ultimately was told by the doctor like this would be a helpful thing you ended up being on them for a decade which is yeah pretty mind-blowing you know I've never been on you know as males you don't get put on birth control right you get given a condom in I think it was year nine and you have to put it on a banana in class with a bunch of you know I went to a co-ed school high school so it was girls and boys around so that was pretty pretty funny um I lost my virginity when I was 18 so I didn't need to use it for for a few years after but I guess when you grow up you know having all of these things I mean we talk about social media before you know in this sort of hypersexualized society, I can see why, yeah, women 
almost a, a pushed more towards it. It's it's a bit fucked, but it's the way the world has been. But you even talking that your mum was sort of just told. I think the last few years have really talked to you know doing your own research in a way that's like you're allowed to get educated for yourself. You don't just need to blindly believe whatever is being told or or pushed, for example. So that's sort of my two cents on that. But also, yeah, you've got to find what works for you. You know, what we're talking about now is not medical advice. I shouldn't necessarily have to put a disclaimer or anything on it. We're just sharing our thoughts and what we've read. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's what life is. Like you've got to go through sometimes some pretty shit things to find what does and doesn't work for you. And by the sounds of it, you know, birth control doesn't work for you, which, yeah. Yeah. I wish I had realized that sooner and like realized, I guess, just the impact that it could have, because even if you are choosing to stay on it as a really convenient method of preventing pregnancy, which of course it is, if you're using it properly, like, yeah, it's great that you don't have to worry about it like in the moment or in different settings. Um, like you never know what's going to happen, but it's just the fact that we don't even, and we, I mean, like women who are on it and girls, as I was a girl, don't have that information. Like no one talks to you about these things of like, you know, it could cause depression. You could get more anxious. You could be you could not feel like yourself, like things can change aside from just shutting off your period, basically. So yeah, I think doing your own research, even with us talking about it, it's like, don't just take our word for it. And like what I'm saying, because not every woman goes through a bad experience with it. I have friends who feel fine with it. Um, and, you know, it's different for everyone. And there are different types of it. But it's like, do your own research, make decisions for you, not for anyone else or what you think is the right thing because of what other people think. Like you need to really take your health into your own hands and like empower yourself and just, yeah. Doctors often don't know what they're talking about, even though they have so much schooling. Um, not that all doctors are bad, but I have seen many doctors who like I knew more on a topic than they did. And that's not like, it shouldn't be, oh, just because they're a doctor, they know the most and they know what they're talking about. Because everyone can Google studies. Everyone can look up art, like scholarly articles and research and read into these things. Mm. Um, it's not like, you don't have to have a degree to be informed. So, so true. Very well said. So then when you came off, birth control I think you mentioned you were 23 or spent a decade I'm just trying to do the well, math so it was actually like 24 so yeah I could have been on it for slightly over a decade I it was actually about a year ago that I stopped taking it so yeah right before I turned 25 okay yeah so yeah I would, I'm curious to know if you don't mind sharing what I guess caused that and maybe it's similarly around the time where you got into what you're doing now because you mentioned that you were laid off through the pandemic, which, as most people listening know, kicked off around the uh, start of 2020. But yeah, for you, when you came off the birth control, how did your anxiety, depression, overall health change? So I, I can't remember what exactly sparked my 
desire to come off of it. It was probably like listening to podcasts like this and hearing this and then just being like, wait, what? Like I had no idea about any of this. Um, and then kind of reading about it more so and looking into it and just realizing how vital optimal hormone health is and stifling it with medication is not going to fix any issues that you have. It's just going to like put a bandaid on it and maybe a bandaid that doesn't work so well and causes other issues. <laughs> um, so I, I do remember though, I was having like weirdly worse digestive issues because I had been able to figure out a lot of what was going on, like with stress management and switching my diet around, which we can also talk about too. But then there was just like this weird period where I started just feeling like worse, like more bloated and more, I don't know, just off. And I was like, I think I'm just going to try, not like stop taking it and see what happens because I don't think it's helping me. I think it's hurting me. So I stopped taking it last July. Yeah, last July. And like, honestly, basically within that week or few days, my bloating went away and I like, I felt like clear headed again. Wow. It was crazy. And when I tell people this, they kind of don't believe me. They're like, there's no way that that's what caused it. But it's a very common phenomenon, phenomenon. If you look into it, um, it's, yeah, I guess it's more anecdotal evidence. So people are like, oh, it's not science, but I felt so much better and like noticeably different. So I just was like, okay, like I'm just going to stop taking it. And there are other ways to prevent pregnancy, like condoms, like fertility awareness method, which is also very empowering because then you're learning more about your body specifically too. And I kind of had this mindset shift as well of like women's bodies are really amazing and like really powerful. And to have shut off all of that for the past 10 years is like kind of sad. And like, I wonder how things would have been different for me. Not that I'm not happy with where I am now, but it's kind of like, I feel sad that my teenage self was kind of like shut down like my hormones and like what made me me was just kind of like shut off um but now I feel like I still get anxiety but it's never anything too bad for the most part like it's more manageable mm -hmm. I never really like depressed much like I can get sad or get into like a weird blue state but it's not the same like dark hole and like doom that I used to feel of like life sucks and I want it to end um like I just I don't have those feelings anymore and it's great because I feel like honestly a new person and people have like mentioned how I've had this transformation over the past year or so because of this whole I guess health journey I've been on and I think stopping birth control is a huge part of that on top of changing my diet and lifestyle and exercise and all of that too. But yeah, it just had like a profound impact on my life, I would say. That's very cool. Nice to hear you speak about yeah. that. And yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing. Cause yeah, I mean, what you mentioned there about falling into a, maybe a spot of yeah deep, dark depression where you want life to end is, is obviously not fun, not nice at all. And, you know, 
only speaking from anecdotes that people have told me over the years, but when I was in my early 20s, I, with my old man, we sold uh, some organic skincare. We had an organic skincare company that we sold at a market in in the city. In Queen, it's called the Queen Victoria Market. It's like the biggest one in the Melbourne sort of area, Melbourne CBD. And we would sell in the organic section and had a lot of regulars coming. We were like in amongst all the organic fruit and veg. So it was pretty pretty cool spot to be. But there were a lot of women, a lot of young girls who would come that would have, you know, bad acne. And they would say that they would be on this drug. I don't know if it was birth control. It might have just been to help their acne. But it was called Roaccutane. You ever heard Mm -hmm. of Roaccutane? Yeah, Accutane was big, um, especially in college too. I feel like a lot of people were on it. Yeah. But I don't know too much about it, but I know it's intense. Yeah. Well, I, this again, all anecdotal stuff, but these girls would say, yeah, it made them suicidal. They had friends who had from it as well. So, you know, pretty heavy shit being on some of these meds, whether it was birth control or purely for the acne. But, you know, in speaking to so many people, it's been apparent to me that, yeah, it's not a great, not a great thing. And I just want to sort of go back and mention what you said before. I made a quick note of it. It was like, they're not side effects, they're effects. Like you can't just drop a pill into a body and expect it to target one spot. At least that makes sense to me when you said I hadn't ever really thought about it. But it's like, you know, most people have probably watched Star Wars. You know, you, it's not this fucking thing where you're flying the spacecraft and you're dropping a bomb and it's like targeting this one spot that's going to, you know, do good, so to speak. It's like it's going to mess with who knows what. So you need to know what you're putting in your body, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's I didn't really think about it for a while either because that's always side effects are always a huge thing that you know there's always those like memes or jokes online about like side effects might include like dying and depression and like yeah it's like this huge list but like everyone's just like oh whatever that's a side effect like it's not like it's less like real or something Mm. when in actuality it's like everything that you do has consequences everything that you put in your body is going to impact the body as a whole it's the same thing with like antibiotics to kill an infection like it's not localized to you know your ear infection it's impacting all of the microbes in your body and it's impacting everything to a huge degree um so yeah i think when we oh it's this like you can take a medication for like your heart or you can take a liver medicate you know it's like they're not just impacting your heart or your liver they're impacting everything because all of your organs are working together and it's all one like big ecosystem basically it'd be like if you i don't know you put out like a trap like an animal trap in the wild you're not going to catch like one type of animal maybe i don't know i don't trap animals but like that's a good analogy though i know what you're thinking i'm trying to come up with an analogy (laughs) on the fly it's like you're not going to catch just like a rabbit like i'm sure other animals are going to sneak in there and then you mess up the whole ecosystem or like actually a good one would be fishing like for even wild caught fish, when you're, they're pulling a net through the ocean to catch the tuna or whatever it is to make canned tuna, they're also catching a million other things like sea turtles and dolphins or sharks or whatever. It's like, you can't just, in an ecosystem, you can't just target like one little piece of it. It's 
the whole thing works together mm. and our bodies are just like many ecosystems and many i don't know many worlds like we have so much going on in our bodies yeah no i love it we got there with the analogy i love that <laughs> even though i know <laughs> I what you trying, I'm like, what makes sense in this realm and there we are it's good you've done well so then speaking to i guess what you're doing now and living now feel good with fee is mm-hmm. what i mentioned at the top following you on Instagram, but it's ultimately your life now. But you said you lost your job sort of start of COVID and it's led you to this. So yeah, could you share the story of how you got into essentially being a a holistic health coach and all that you do in the nutrition space now? Yeah, so I was laid off from a job. I was working in fashion, uh, which not really my... I was about to say not really my style, which was pretty uh, funny, but um, it was not something I was interested in, really. It was just kind of like I need a job and this is a job that I could get. And it was, you know, sitting at a desk, nine to five, sitting at a computer, doing work I didn't care about, making terrible money just to make someone else richer who, you know, I didn't care about their livelihood much. Um, So I'm like, why am I wasting every single day of my life doing this? But it's also like, well, everyone's doing it and I don't really have a choice. So stick with it. But then I was laid off and I was actually very happy because it was kind of that push I needed to really follow my passion and follow what I was interested in. And what that is, is really being able to share my experience with others who may have struggled with anxiety and depression and digestive issues um, and like giving them, like helping them figure out solutions that you can empower yourself. You can take your health into your own hands. You don't have to rely on a doctor or medication or just feel like shit all the time. Like you should be able to live a life that is vibrant and fulfilling and happy. And if a desk job is what you're interested, like if that's what makes you happy, sure. I'm not going to, you know, shit on anyone's happiness but for me that's not it and I know for a lot of people it also isn't it and just like being able to yeah like take your health into your own hands um I had digestive issues like my whole childhood I guess I didn't really mention that but um I think that had a lot to do with the whole anxiety thing Mm. but through it being able to figure out what would help me and what I could do to help my symptoms, which is kind of focusing on like a real food diet and cutting out all of the junk that I was eating and, um, you know, learning how to like move more and manage my stress levels and be an advocate for myself through educating myself. I wanted to be able to share that with others. So I got certified as a health coach which was more on the primal, it was the primal health coach Institute. So it's a lot of like kind of the paleo diet type, um, which I'm not, I'm not paleo. Like I don't fully focus on that, but I did really enjoy a lot of their um, ideas and takes on lifestyle modifications in general, because it touched on a holistic approach, like you mentioned. So it was food, it was movement, it was sleep, it was stress, it was, um, like even community is so important for health too. So what my goal, I guess, very long winded answer, but my goal is to 
be able to help people like figure out how to enhance all of those aspects of their lives um to specifically like young women like me because i feel like a connection to this i guess women in general now that i've like been able to see how amazing women are and how much like we can do and i want to help other women like feel that way um yeah and then a lot of it too is i've always loved cooking and that whole thing so i shifted my cooking of like chicken parmesan and pasta and crazy stuff in college to now it's a lot more like steak and vegetables and produce and really high quality meats and incorporating more of that into my diet yeah amazing long-winded answer i mean i wasn't expecting a short one yeah. it's it's good thank you it's yeah. it's it's life like you're saying there you know the food the things we put in our body for example we've obviously been talking about that and it's not necessarily just what you literally put in it can be what you are consuming whether it's video games whether it's the books you read the environment we live in if you're sleeping next to two people you know in a dorm room for example all of these things do have an effect on our health and yeah it's it's important so then you I mean you've mentioned a few times and I actually didn't even really ask a question based on it so maybe I should now but the interest in in cooking I mean you mentioned your mum was you mentioned making was it poppy seed sort of like cake with Montessori when you're back in school these sorts of things you've always had that love was it like a very logical jump for you to go into this when you did I guess it was I mean, not logical in the sense that it was gonna, you know, pay my bills and it was something where I just kind of had to take a leap and just trust that I could figure it out and that my passion and like my happiness would get me there and help me with my success. And I'm still building on that. Like I haven't gotten to where I'm fully established, but I think that the whole cooking thing, my mom is Italian and Croatian. So food was huge growing up and she always cooked really like we loved family dinners and having big meals and I would always be in the kitchen too. So it made sense in that aspect. Um, and then I just started like when I started realizing how important food is for our bodies, that's when I started cooking more and eating out less and learning a lot about how food really impacts you. And honestly, like, the past probably it was probably about four years ago when I had this real like I'm gonna focus on my health and then the last year was like I want to like make this a whole like part of my life mm -hmm. I guess like make it a career so yeah I guess logical in some senses but not in others but I have to say like this is the first time in my life where I've really just kind of followed my heart and followed my gut and just gone for it and not that like this happens to everyone but things have been going very well like I think when you follow what you're passionate about things will work out because you're open like you're open to the energy and the universe that you're the energy that you want to receive because you're in an elevated state and so just going for what it is that you want and not really thinking about well how am I going to like make it work and how am I going to do it and just do it it's really rewarding even if you're you know making less than you were making and you maybe like don't buy as many clothes or like don't go out for drinks as often but 
you don't really care because you're having like a great time doing what you love. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. Love that. Thank you for sharing all of that as well. I think it's, yeah, something that I've experienced more as well is that, yeah, the universe, when you are ready to receive opportunities, you will get them like, yeah. And when you're, yeah, shut off, whether it's don't think that you're worthy or don't think you're ready, whatever it may be, yeah, they don't they don't come to you. So it's almost like you'll get exactly what it is you're seeking. Just hopefully you're seeking things that are gonna serve you, right? But ultimately it's exactly. a ch- ultimately it's a choice, right? Yeah, and I think so often we hold ourselves back and we limit ourselves based I mean limiting beliefs is just like because of what you know and what you've been through it's like well that could never be me or I could never make that happen and I remember my dream for so long was to just work for myself not have to set an alarm every morning to wake up and be able to like go to the beach whenever I want and now I basically am able to do that because I was like this is the life that I want and I'm going to figure out how to make it happen and I just heard someone say recently which I thought was really cool They said, never be the one to say no to yourself because everyone like you're going to face a ton of rejection in the world, but you don't have to be the one that rejects yourself from the get go. Like if you want to start a project, maybe you don't have the experience or you don't have the qualifications or you don't have it figured out, but don't be the one that shuts that down. Like, don't be the one that says, no, I'm not good enough. Work on your project do what it is that you want to do and let other people say no, which is fine. Like you can get rejected, but if you never even try or you never even go for it, how do you know if it's going to work out or not? And you just kind of shut yourself down to, like you said, like receiving this energy and the universe isn't going to like, I don't know. It's not going to give back to you if you're not like giving anything to it, not to get too woo, but I do feel like I'm in that realm sometimes. I love it. Go full woo. I don't mind. <laughs> no, it's so good. Yeah. I love that. Such a rich thing you just shared. Thank you. Very cool. Yeah, that was really in- When I heard that, I was like, oh, wow, that's really like, because like, why don't you go for things? And it's all fear-based, but it's like, what's the worst thing that happens? You know, like you can always figure it out. There's always some way, like my thought was always like, okay, if this business and this plan doesn't work out I'll like work at Whole Foods or something and like get like work at a grocery store like I like food and I'll get a discount like you know there's always something you can do um yeah it's not just like okay now it's over and now I don't know what to do but I know that that's not an easy mindset for a lot of people and that's kind of what I would love to help more people understand like with the content that I share on Instagram And then also with my health coaching, because I do private coaching. So working with people one-on-one to kind of like help them figure out what the roadblocks are in their lives and what can be done about it. Mm. Um, Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, you talking before about your, was it degree in psychology, not really maybe serving you currently. And maybe you didn't learn those things then, you know, those tidbits, the tidbit you shared about cutting cutting of the line. But I feel like, you know, human interaction and sharing these sorts of thoughts, that for me is psychology. It's not the, here's a pill and 
off you go. You're gonna your life's gonna be better now. You know this ain't limitless. We ain't living in that movie. We might be living in a movie. I don't fucking know sometimes, but we're not in that one. Uh, so no, very cool. Cool that that's that's serving you. Um, the coaching then that you mentioned. So that's, I mean, I guess it's all part of it, but it's not strictly. Uh, sort of dietary or nutrition based it's it's all encompassing is that right in in saying that yeah i mean so i consider it a holistic approach so it's an emphasis on or i guess not emphasis it's a holistic approach so it discusses not just diet but also like lifestyle and stress and sleep and your interactions and like maybe like, for example, if someone is trying to lose weight, like that's a very common thing that a lot of women specifically are working on. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what is the reason that you are wanting to lose weight? Because obviously, like, you don't change as a person because you like lost 10 pounds. So it's like, what are you trying to get out of that weight loss? And I think that's like the mindset piece is really important. Because then it's like, okay, I want to lose weight because I can, I think like people would like me more. And it's like, okay, well, why do you think people don't like you now? Or like, what do you think that would give to you in your life? Like, how would that change things for you? Um, So I think that's a big one is helping people kind of get to that understanding. And when you shift it from a weight loss motivation into a like growth mindset motivation I think that's where you can really change um like I know for me uh like I struggled with body image issues as I'm sure most young women have most of their lives especially in LA like that's a huge thing um Mm. and so for me it was always like I want to be like skinny and I want to be small and recently I'm like no I want to be strong and I want to be like able to take care of myself and be like a powerful woman I don't want to be like just small and meek and like not eat like I want to like have muscles and be able to like lift my own luggage and you know like that kind of mindset shift of like adding to your life rather than taking away Mm. um so I think that's like a huge thing like yes it is health but it's also a lot of mindset but then I do also focus a lot on like the dietary aspect too. Um, and I'm not a dietitian and I'm not a doctor, so I can never diagnose or treat people, but I can share a lot of what I've learned from myself and what I've learned working with other clients of what can help people with their goals. Um, and it's a lot of like, people think, okay, if I want to lose weight, I have to like eat chicken breast and steamed broccoli and go to the gym a million times a day. And I don't, think that that's really the best method like maybe yeah you will lose some weight but it's not going to be sustainable it's not going to be fulfilling because you're like taking away a piece of yourself and of your joy right so and that ultimately isn't sustainable right that's not going to be sustainable long term you might be able to eat the chicken broccoli and rice for if you're really disciplined i don't know a few months but if you're really disciplined you probably wouldn't need it in the first place right so What's going to be the long-term view, which is something I always try to play with, like, what are you going to be able to sustain? And like you said, you don't want to have to have an alarm. You'd love to be able to swim in the beach every day. Like, those are things that, you know, it's obviously great. You'd be able to sustain that for life. Whereas there's nothing wrong with doing 
you know, I, I personally think nothing wrong with doing like a, a six week challenge or, you know, working, you know, on four hours sleep for a night here or there. But if it's long term, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain four hours sleep a night. You're not going to be able to sustain six week challenges into six week challenges into six week challenges. You need to make something that's going to be sustainable. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with that. And I think too, a lot of it, like we're talking about how everything is connected and something that I never really thought about is so like food impacts the way you feel, which a lot of people don't even think about, but like, if you eat something, it can cause digestive issues or it can cause like an elated state. Um, but then it can also cause like mood issues. It could also cause your like skin or acne. It can also, cause poor sleep quality it can cause more stress it can cause you to feel more like lethargic and not want to exercise or move so it's like it impacts every aspect of your life and then it's all connected so if you eat you know like a bunch of sugar before bed you're probably not going to sleep super well and then when you don't sleep super well you set yourself up for this cycle of now tomorrow I'm craving more sugar and then it's like And because I'm only eating sugar, it's like I don't have the like real energy to work out a ton. And now I feel kind of shitty about myself. So now I'm just going to lay on the couch. And then it's just like a vicious cycle. But people don't think about often how these little things can make huge differences um, in their lives. So, yeah, that's what I'm really trying to like educate people on and provide that knowledge. Amazing. Well, thank you yeah. for sharing that knowledge so far in this conversation. I'm sure you'll, you know, anyone who wants to follow you and, and reach out will be, you know, well served. Do you want to maybe let people know now where they can? I'll, I'll of course, put all of this in the show notes as well. But yeah, how best they can get in touch and, and reach out. So my Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time, like if I'm on the social media um, side that's feel good with fee and that's where I like respond to dms and I post recipes and wellness tips um, so I'm pretty active on there and then I also have my website that you mentioned which is also feelgoodwithfee.com and you can learn a bit about me there I'm still kind of like trying to build it more there's not a ton on there but I do have articles and blog posts if you're kind of interested in diving a bit deeper um, and then you can also like chat with me um through there but yeah that's i'm that's i'm really just instagram my website don't have much else going on yeah cool. social media that's it yeah. but people can book you for that one-on-one coaching through the website or all socials either way just get in touch and yeah yeah mm-hmm. love it Yeah, i have my um it's all linked in my instagram so you can like book a i do free like discussions with people and then you can book one-on-one and um, it's fun to to chat with people and I feel like I have a lot of valuable knowledge and like experience in it and going through it. I think that's the biggest thing is being able to, if you're struggling with these health issues, whether it's digestion or anxiety or you're not sure like how to eat the healthiest, having someone who can kind of guide you through it and share their experience and help you like follow the path. I think is really helpful because there's so much out there. It's really hard to know like what's best and it can just kind of get too much. And then people kind of give up because it's like, well, I'm just getting all these different mixed signals. So having someone that can really like help you figure it out, I think is really valuable. 
Completely agree. Yeah, finding someone who's walked the path before you. I mean, that's ultimately why I wanted to start this podcast, was to talk to a diverse range of people who have lived lives and are willing to communicate about them so that I can learn. And maybe 100% of what we talk about isn't going to be applicable to me directly in a selfish way, but it will hopefully help people who listen. But usually there's quite a few things that I, I learn and I would like to think that I have become a better human from what is now, yeah, close to 100 conversations like this. So very grateful. I've got a few more questions before I let you go, if that's all right. Sure, yeah. Awesome. So one that I am just curious about, if you don't mind answering, that has just come up in, in conversation that I would love to know in terms of how you you and Case met. I don't know how long you guys have been dating, but yeah, would would love to to know how you guys met because I have, you know, in the past few years been dating, but in terms of meeting someone that I'm on the same wavelength as, which... <laughs> Very much seems like you two are the case. All puns not intended there. Uh, <laughs> you know, meeting the last girl I dated was via um, a dating app and it's like just shooting a shotgun in the fucking air and like, oh, maybe you'll hit. So, yeah, curious to know how you guys met. Yeah, so we met working at a startup Actually, my first job out of college was working at a tech startup, which, um, I mean, honestly, this has also kind of impacted my journey as well. It was a health food startup. Mm. Um, and I just started working there because my friend worked there and I needed a job and she basically just helped me get one there. Um, so it was like a typical office job, but um, Case Casey, I, I know him as Casey, but I guess his online persona is Case now. Of course. So. Um, it's hard for me to say case, but <laughs> we, we worked at desks that were like, we both had our desks facing each other. I just, just happened to be put there and we just were like working 24 seven with our faces right next to each other. Um, just staring at each other. <laughs> and so we became friends that way. And I had a different boyfriend at the time, which things didn't work out, thankfully, cause that wouldn't have I don't think I would be where I am now, mm. but yeah, after we broke up, my ex and I, like Casey and I are really good friends and we got along really well. And I was, I remember meeting him like the first day I worked at Thrive thinking like, oh, he's cute and he seems cool, but obviously nothing transpired from that until I think it was like a year after we had met that we actually started dating. And he was a big impact on my life and my health and wellness journey too because he was very knowledgeable about food and food is medicine and he opened my eyes to a lot of the like I guess quote like non-conventional um foods or beliefs and that kind of helped me like become more open-minded about all of it and then we've been together now for like three or four years um yeah, yeah. so there you go the nine to five desk job hooked you up <laughs> yeah it's, it's a good place to to meet a meet a boyfriend I think I think that like I mean I'm very into the whole like everything happens for a reason type or like you know things happen the way that they're meant to happen and you often don't know in the moment if something is good or bad because it could change like you never know what's going to happen or what's going to come and 
I really did not like that job. Like it made me miserable and I had to quit because I was like, felt terrible when I was there. But like meeting him and meeting these other people, I think was really helpful in my life. So it ended up, you know, even though it was like a year of kind of shit work, I got some good stuff out of it too. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Love to hear that. Well, shout out to Case. Yeah. If anyone hasn't is listening to this still, obviously people are listening to this, but if people haven't listened to that episode with Case, I would very much recommend it because he, yeah, is a very knowledgeable dude. And I'm glad to hear that obviously, <laughs> you know, you guys are in a relationship, but he helped you, I guess, get to where you are now as well. You know, a sign of a good relationship, both helping each other, you know, become better people. Yeah, I think we've both grown a ton in our relationship with each other which I think for a lot of people can either go like that's either a good thing or a bad thing like you can grow and realize that you're not compatible anymore because you've changed so much but I feel like our path has really grown together and he's much more introspective than I am like I think I'm a lot more extroverted and outgoing like socially like I like to go out with friends a lot more and he kind of helped me like think more inwardly and kind of I don't know help me like figure out a lot more of what I'm interested in and yeah I just realized how much now like I enjoy having like more deep conversations with people and actually getting like intimate in like conversations rather than just surface level of what you're used to getting at like a bar or you know random people that you're not that close with and I never realized that I was kind of missing that part of my life like I never really thought about it Mm. um so that's been interesting yeah that's cool I think that's a big for me a big sign of maturity is when you get to that and don't get me wrong I think there's nothing wrong with so so to speak small talk like small talk gets demonized quite a lot like some people do have you know a lot of anxiety and they can't get to points where it's super deep right you need that you need to be able to talk shit with people and just have fun and and you know have a lot of silliness but yeah it is important vital to yeah get to some deeper things with people talk about I think some of the things we've talked about today not to say that you have to have a podcast in order to do that but it's like you know what are some things like I went to this um you'd be interested in this actually being involved in food but I went to a cooking class a few weeks ago on a Sunday night called Conscious Connections and the girl running it had these three rules that one of them was essentially you're not allowed to talk about what you do for a living like you're not allowed to talk about work and so the default that I think a lot of people do in small talk is like oh hey you know my name's Rin you know or what what do you do like tell me you know what do you do sort of thing and that's just like human nature is just the default to that so you know getting that as sort of the rule and it's quite funny because then we went around the room in a circle and like shared a bit about our life story in a few minutes and a few people just talked about what they did for work like it was just a very natural thing that came out but interesting that uh you know she tried to put the prompt there but it was it was a good good cooking class I learned to make gnocchi which previously I personally Mm. didn't really love but there you go yeah, that's a good one. I remember I um, in college, I had a roommate for just like the summer. She was studying abroad or something and she was from Italy. So she made us homemade gnocchi a few times and it was like 
the best gnocchi I've ever had. Like homemade, I think is just so much better. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's delicious. Cooking classes are fun though. That's cool that you got to do that. Yeah, and meet people. Yeah, yeah, met met everyone bar one was a was a stranger prior to that. So, but I didn't even know my mate he was going to be there. So it was cool. It was a very cool thing. So I really enjoyed this conversation, Fiona. Thank you for your time. Before we go. Uh, I would love to know your answer to a question that I always ask guests at the end. You may remember because you've listened to a couple, but the brief history is uh, I, you know, growing up, or growing up in my early 20s when I first started listening to podcasts, loved, you know, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, a lot of these high profile podcasts where people, or the guests rather, would, you know, be, yeah, super, super well-off people who have done you know incredible feats whether they're celebrities or or what have you and the 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 question would be what advice would you give to you know your ex-age self and their answers would always be quite cliche along the same lines and I thought what if I asked my dad the neighbor the everyday person so I would love to know with you Fiona what advice would you like to give and normally I flip this for people who are younger you're 26. Mm-hmm. I would love to know what advice you might like to give to say your 66 year old self if you could project into the future. Maybe I'll clip this afterwards and send you an email that will arrive in 40 years' time. But <laughs> what do you think? That's a good question. Um, I think I think something that has become really important to me lately is. I've kind of touched on it though, is just kind of following your heart and following your gut and not worrying too much about all of this like noise in your head. And I just hope that I continue to do that and I continue to live this way and I continue to like have fun and incorporate play and joy into my life. Um, And like to never stop like dancing and just being like silly and just having fun with life and really enjoying life as it is and not thinking too much about the future or stressing about things um and just yeah like really like living in the moment and living your truth and being true to who you are like upholding your values and realizing when things don't suit you anymore um maybe that's a lot of advice but I think, I think I'm going to be pretty cool when I'm that old. Like I just, I feel that I'm going to be the cool old lady, maybe a little crazy, but I guess 60 is not even that old, but like compared to now. um, Yeah. I just want to be like fun and free and alive and feel vibrant. And like I said, strong and yeah, I guess that's what I would say. I love it. I agree. I never think you'd be lose pretty the cool. like child. Never lose the child in you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good message. Thank you for sharing. I look forward to uh to chatting with that cool older lady. Not that it's that old, you're right. Who knows? You might live to, you know, hundred and twenty six for all I know. That'd be pretty rad. Yeah. I don't know if you want to live little, to that old. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine like what the world's gonna be in that long 100 years it's a little scary to even think about it but that's why uh sometimes i just don't you know like (laughs) well i can't really change too much about what's gonna happen so all i can do is be my best self now and 
enjoy myself, enjoy life. And I think when you're in that state, it also can, it's contagious, I think. So people around you can feel more uplifted. And it's like, if we can all just be happier in general, I think maybe the world won't be so terrible in a hundred years. We'll see. Fingers crossed, eh? But no, not fingers crossed. Like we can do things we can cause. Maybe one person with their actions can't change the world. But I think more conversations like this, more people taking control of their lives will definitely go a long way to to helping that. So, yeah, thank you for sharing your thoughts today. Is there anything else that you'd maybe like to mention before I go, before we go that I haven't prompted with a question? Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm just really excited that we got to have this really good, deep conversation and it, like, it definitely took roads that I didn't expect, but I'm just happy to be able to share this with people and to be able to connect with more people. And I think, I mean, I just appreciate you having me here so I can like do this for the first time and maybe it wasn't the best or the perfect, but that's life. And yeah, I think, I don't know. I got, I get more excited now about potentially doing this down the line. So I think it's really cool that you get to just chat with a bunch of people who just have these really interesting stories to tell. Like everyone has some information or some story. So yeah, I think what you're doing is really awesome too. Oh, thank you. But no, you did great. You were amazing. Thank you for articulating all that you have. It's been a pleasure to listen and to pick especially yeah, learning about the, the Sims and the World of Warcraft. Definitely wasn't a path I thought we'd go down, but there you go. Thank you, Fiona. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't played in a while, so I'm <laughs> not sure what it's like out there anymore, but it could be fun. Yeah. It could be fun to dabble back in the gaming world. Who knows? I'll let you, I'll let yeah. you explore that, but thank you for your time. And there you have it, another episode of The Hope Initiative. Thank you again to Fiona for your time and sharing all that you did there. I really appreciate it. Your wisdom, I'm sure, will help many others, not only in this conversation, but in years to come. So guys, if you're listening, if you want to get in touch with Fiona, all that we mentioned and the ways to get in touch with her are in the show notes. So I recommend doing so. And as always, you've listened all the way through. I would love it if you shared this conversation with a family member or friend, someone you think will get some value out of it. It would mean the world. And until next time, keep creating your life and all the very best.